This is Zarina. Welcome to Grow and Learn. Today, we're going to be speaking about business transformation and specifically the cultural impacts of change within an organization with uh, the esteemed Dr. Kevin Gazzara, who is a CEO of Magna Leadership Solutions. He's a professor at five universities. He has a lot of credentials behind his back and on his belt. I'm welcoming Kevin Gazzara, Dr. Kevin Gazzara. Yeah, Kevin is fine, Zarina. Thank you. Fine. I'm very, very informal. Yeah. <laughs> you know, people are very particular about titles in Austria, so I'm always very careful. I don't know how people react when you miss a title. <laughs> well, it's funny, you know, when I'm teaching at the university, all like if the dean comes in, he wants to make sure the dean, the students refer to me as Dr. Gazzara. And it's just really funny. I was teaching and the dean came in and I'm so informal. People just told me Kevin or Mr. Gazzara. And that's, that's fine. And then as soon as the class was done, I remember the dean pulling me out in the hallway and saying, it's like, they have to call you. They have to respect. It's like, okay, that's that's fine. But in, in the business world, you know, Kevin just works just fine. <laughs> Kevin, you've worked for Intel previously. You were leading the Intel University. And now, so that was, a, again, a teaching position uh, in the university manager. Uh, yes and yes and no. Um, I spent 18 years with Intel. I started there as a product manager, product engineer, or as an operations manager, and then moved into managing a small division. So I lived on the technical side. You know, my background is in engineering and business. Um, and then I went off and did my MBA and then my doctoral work in organizational leadership. Um, but when I was at Intel, I, uh, Intel has something amazing called the sabbatical. And when you go on sabbatical, uh, every seven years, you get two months off to kind of refresh. And when you come back, that's usually a good opportunity to do something different. So when I came back, uh, there was a, I had been doing a lot of teaching uh, as, as part of a management requirement. Uh, Intel managers are required to teach for, were required to teach 40 hours a, a year. So I was doing a lot of teaching and I found I really liked teaching management leadership so when I, uh, right before I came back from sabbatical, the, the guy that was running uh, Intel University for the world, which is the delivery of all the, uh, there's 13,000 different classes, which is incredible. Uh, I didn't know that ahead of time. Um, wow. He said, hey, I, you know, I need a manager for Arizona is, is where I live. And would you, uh, would you be willing to do that? So, so I moved into managing uh, I did some teaching, but it was primarily just managing all of the uh, the courseware and uh, delivery of the materials and getting instructors. And then eventually my last six years at Intel, I left in 2007 uh, before I retired to build uh, to build my consultancy with a couple of my colleagues from Intel. Um, I, I spent the last six years managing Intel's management leadership development for the world. And we used to do uh, 2,500 managers and leaders in 10 different countries. And when I uh, retired in June of 2007 uh, to bring kind of my knowledge to smaller organizations, we had just finished training our 40,000th manager. Mm -hmm. Well, congratulations on the success. <laughs> it was it was quite, quite exciting. You know, Intel was a great place to work and a great place to learn and and for the last 16 years, I've been trying to, to you know, help small to medium-sized organizations that, you know, don't have $10 million budgets uh, for training and development of their leaders. Mm -hmm. 
So essentially, your company provides uh, leadership coaching and mentoring, executive leadership. We yes, we provide that. We also have something, as you can see in the. If for those that have video, you can see is the we have something called our Leading Forward Academy. It's it's a six month program. Uh, it's designed for all levels of leaders. Uh, we've been doing this for the last ten years, <clears throat> and it's it's really kind of integrating all the topics that uh, if you have particularly if you have managers that are just not performing at an incredibly high level consistently, you know, hiring and retaining the best people, uh, that this is generally a really good solution for, for companies. Mm -hmm. I know that you have come up with a very uh, innovative um, tool, and, and I'd like to talk about the tool as well. But be before we move on to this uh, innovative solution, your last 10 years of work, have you seen or, or have you driven any significant changes in a company, something that, that you can share, that you can say, I went in this company and I trained leadership and this is what happened? Yeah. And in fact, um, it's interesting that you mentioned that, um, you know, our intent for the Leading Forward Academy or the, the program that we have is it's a 100% integrated um grouping of workshops of coaching of of uh, peer co peer coaching it's information it's mastermind sessions uh you know continuous improvement uh weekly activities so it's it's this completely integrated system so one thing that we don't do is we don't do training right that's the one of the big problems a lot of organizations that are trying to make cultural change says oh we just need somebody to come in and give us a leadership program or a cultural program, or whatever. And, and the problem is, is it's usually a one and done. And as you know, and what we found out is culture doesn't change overnight and that you need this so that it really becomes part of somebody's DNA. And that's the way we've designed, designed all of our programs now that it, they're, they're systems rather than, you know, one and done uh, events. And in fact, the, the last company we worked with who had um, organizations uh, in uh, Japan, uh, China, uh, Amsterdam, uh, or actually Zoltbommel right outside of Amsterdam, um, and several in, in the US um, actually was good enough. I can probably give you the link. I don't know what it is off the top of my head, <clears throat> but they actually, uh, we were able, we worked with them for uh, two to three years so we could get all of their divisions and 100% of their managers uh, uh, kind of indoctrinated in, into this. It's kind of a servant leadership type of approach. Um, and we were able to change their culture. And they they were good enough that on their their main page in, uh, that they have for their company, it's three to 400 people or so, um, they put a whole page there about how you know our approach really was able to change their culture to much more of what I would call learning culture. So, so it, it is possible for any of those listening that you think you can do the culture change overnight and can bring in an expert for eight hours and they can teach it to you. Um, I'd say save your money. Uh, don't do that. Uh, just, just because of the one and done doesn't work. It, it has to be something that's continually integrated into the work so that all of the tools that you would get in that workshop uh, that you can apply them on a, on a regular basis um, so that, that people really live the change instead of just t talking about it. Mm -hmm. 
So is there a feedback loop uh, to this um, academy program so that you actually find out not only if there's a cultural change in terms of an improvement in the atmosphere uh, within the yeah. country, but also in terms of KPIs, some performance measurement? I know, I, I know it's a, yeah. I know it's a hard <laughs> question. Most uh, leadership companies don't do any measurement of results uh, related to financials. But have you done that? We have, right? Mm -hmm. And and that's part right. of the per, that's part of the system that we have a tool that we use. Anybody can go and take a look at it. Um, it's called Easy360Feedback.com. If you go there. Um, and the first thing that we do is for all the leaders that go through the program, we build a uh, easy 360 feedback tool for them. Uh, 100% anonymous uh, gives us a baseline of where they are. Um, um, many of the companies that we've been using it with have a set of questions that they want to focus on. Like I want to get better at accountability or communication or approachability or, you know, output or or, or whatever it is, right? So, um, so we may have a, a small set of questions uh, that we can track over time, uh, and then going through the six months, um, they get they get feedback, and at the end, we can give the rolled up feedback to the clients to basically say, uh, you know, here's the improvement that you're seeing, here's the KPIs that you're that you told us you want to work on, and by the way, now the one thing that we don't do is we don't do it it's it's an aggregate score we can do it by plant like the last company we had had four plants so they wanted to separate them by plant to see see if they could do that so we're able to do that but the one thing we told we've told all the managers or the leaders or the people that bring us in is that we are not we won't give you individual scores right because then then it really defeats the purpose of it Right, that the the manager gets their individual scores, so they have a twenty four seven dashboard. They can see how well they're doing, and then when when we work with them in a coaching capacity during the program, you know that's one of the first things we bring up. You know, let's take a look at your Easy three hundred and sixty feedback and see what's working and what isn't. You know, are you making an upward trend? Is it flat? Is it dipping? Um, and then they are supposed to try the new tools that they get each month. Um, you know, and each of the tools is targeted at usually a different KPI. Um, and then we can, you know, the other thing I found, Azarina, is that it's it's probably the, the best tool in the world that I've used uh, for my coaching and executive coaching, because we I do the same thing with the person I'm coaching. We get a baseline. They book me for a, you know, three to six month contract. We track everything for that period of time. And at the end, you know, the the manager can print out uh, essentially the results. It's, it says, here's where we started in January. Here's where we are in June. You know, can I renew Kevin's contract? Um, and I've had several of those uh, with several managers that, you know, what started out as three or six month contracts uh, now have gone into two plus years just mm -hmm. because, you know, uh, people that are paying the bills in, in corporations or organizations like to see results and i think that's the one thing as you pointed out that other leadership organizations don't do uh and you know coming from an engineering background i think it's so important to have those those metrics you know and as as a coach um you know one of the things that i've coached people have had coaches before 
most of them really didn't feel like they were they were getting a return on their investment. They liked the coaching, but at the end of the day, when the manager said, "Okay, you've had Joe as a coach, you know, tell me what's uh, you know what's what's different," uh, they could talk about it, but they couldn't show them anything. Uh, this tool allows them to do that, and and it makes it super easy for them to say, "Yeah, let's you know hire Kevin for another six months." Mm-hmm. So, so what aspects are you coaching them on? Are these interpersonal aspects? Are you coaching them on performance, functional uh, type of uh, mentoring? What well, what is in the coaching? Well, so, uh, so I have a kind of a, a so I've done all my certifications for ICF, the International Coach Federation. I'm a certified a positive intelligence coach. I'm a master certified life coach. Um, Uh, and basically what we do is, you know, our, our firm, uh, our coach, the coaching arm of, of Magna leadership is called coachsultants.com. Uh, so we do a combination of coaching and consulting that, you know, our focus is really on coaching because coaching gets you deeper. But what we found, particularly since our focus on, is on, uh, executives, in you know big organizations that's where our sweet spot is particularly you know we really do well with technical experts who happen to be managers mm-hmm. and uh, really need that extra help and as you can imagine you know I've lived my world and you know my life in the world of engineers that engineers are not notoriously incredible at communication so um, so we do we 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 figure out it you know it's usually their boss that's hiring us You know, we figure out, you know, so what does your boss say? You know, what do your peers say? We do a, a 360. Um, and then what do you want to work on? And and most of sometimes it's communication. Sometimes it's accountability. I'd say that the top ones that we typically work on is uh, is uh, prioritization. Uh, it, communication is always the number one, right? That's the number one for everyone, regardless of you're an engineer or not. Um And what we what we know, in fact, we did a, a study about uh, oh, about more than 10 years ago for about 1,200 leaders, and what we found was that the best leaders were also had the best scores in communication. If you're a bad communicator, your your leadership score uh, is going to be is not going to be good, right? Mm-hmm. So if I if I can if you can only do one thing, right, you can only get better at one thing is get better communication. And my tip to the to the people listening is, it's it's much more about the frequency uh, than the intensity of the communication. Having that five minute conversation, you know, every couple of days with your people um, is a whole lot better than waiting till the end of the month and having an hour conversation with them. Mm-hmm. Like, because it gives you that iterative approach. In fact, those of you that, um, the listeners that may know Marshall Goldsmith, You know, so I've known Marshall for 20 plus years. Awesome cro- coach, great programs he has. Um, he did a study back in uh, 2000 for about 20,000 people. And, and he found really, if you want behavior change, the key is, is frequency of communication and interaction, not the intensity of it, right? So do, do more of the little tiny bits and less of the, you know, Here's, here's our monthly meeting. Mm-hmm. I understand. And so let's assume now a six-month engagement with you, with your company, and mm-hmm. you're improving for sure this uh, this 
number one pillar, the communication. What are the underlying KPIs that you're measuring? Usually, well, um, I understand that they may, know, may be different for each company. Yeah, so so tip, typically, what um, is you know what you know people leave um, managers, not businesses, right? Um, and a good portion of the the organizations we work with are manufacturing organizations. And in manufacturing organizations, I don't know how it is in Europe these days, but in in the U.S. You know, hiring and retaining good people to keep your lines running, whether it's uh, making plastic bottles or it's uh, car parts or it's steel, it doesn't matter. You know, get getting labor to be able to run the machines and keep it keeping it running has been a nightmare for pretty much all of, all of our clients. So what what we found is is that you know that when we look at the exit interviews and you have to make sure you're doing good exit interviews. Because most people don't want to rock the boat; they just want to leave. But if you if you get people that are honest enough, particularly a lot of them, if you can get them to have a conversation after they left the company, so there's no repercussions, uh, they're all going to tell you the same thing. You know that my manager wasn't approachable; uh, they didn't listen to my ideas. Uh, it was a hostile work environment. Uh, we, it, it didn't feel like a team. Uh, people weren't held, held accountable. Uh, uh, communication uh, wasn't clear, you know, with of of how I was being held held accountable. Um, planning was very poorly done, so there's lots and lots of change. I spent most of my time doing reactive work instead of proactive. Uh, we we weren't we weren't given sufficient resources, you know, and usually one of those you know, eight or 10 that I just mentioned show up of what the, what the, uh, what the companies want us to, to measure. And, and what we found Zarina is that, you know, once you get the managers to connect on a personal level, right, where they feel, where the workers feel like they truly can come to them without repercussions, uh, lots of great stuff happens. Culture changes, uh, massively. And you don't have to listen to what everybody's, you don't have to take the, the request from everybody. You can't do everything for everyone. Um, what you do have to do is you do have to communicate with them of your appreciation for that. Uh, you have to uh, communicate with them um, what's, what's possible, what's in scope and out of scope you know, what you're willing to look at and where it's really outside of, of the, of the, um, of the kind of scope of, of the work, right? And you have to give them a time that you come back and say, you know, if if indeed this is something in scope, I will, and then you put a date on it, right? You know, by the 1st of January, I will give you an update on where I am with this. And if you can do that, and you can really create that open communication, uh, that ser servant model, you know, um, where you're really doing things uh, collaboratively, you know, things can get pretty incredible pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. and, and with your specific experience in uh, manufacturing companies, have you noticed some change driven by robotization and AI in the past year, in the past nine months? I'm asking this because of the transformation happening because not only chat GPT, but significant uh, also robotization driven by AI in manufacturing. 
Um, for the companies that we've been working with, um, I would say within the last year, AI's come into discussion, but it has had uh, little impact with regard to manufacturing because I think it's a lag time. Let's go back to the subject of leadership and of culture. Uh, you <laughs> launched a tool called the Task Quotient. And uh, it is a tool for assessment. What is it actually? <laughs> yeah, so um, so it, it came out, it actually evolved out of um, the work that I had done uh, in uh, for my doctorate, right? So it was a tool that I had to develop in order to prove my theory, to prove my hypothesis for my, dis my dissertation. And at a very high level, it, uh, what it does is, um, it looks, it looks at, well, there are, th there are three tasks that we all do on a regular basis. Um, there are routine tasks, you know, doing your email is a, that's a routine task. You know, very predictable. You have to kind of get it done in, in a moment while you're doing that, you know, uh, a quick response, a routine tasks. There are troubleshooting or problem solving tasks, you know, um, unpredictable, but you pretty much have to get it done. You know, your computer stops working or, um, by the way, you're the person that is on the other side of your Zoom call is breaking up. So you have to reboot. Right. That's tr that's a troubleshooting kind of kind of call. Um, and then you have uh, project work. Right. Uh, which is highly predictable and you don't have to do it in, in the moment. There's not a, a level of immediacy. And if you look at that, pretty much everything that we do. And this was based around some work that was done by a gentleman by the name of Bill Daniels at American Training and Consulting. What Bill found was is that there's um, there's actually um, these three tasks that we do, and you can place anything that we do in one of those categories. Uh, and what I recognize is that there are actually 496 discrete mixtures of those. And and my hypothesis was. That, created, that the task quotient tool identified was, is that each one of us has one of those. That if I can identify your ideal task mixture that I can raise, uh, and this is what I proved for my dis through my dissertation work, was I can raise uh, your job satisfaction, your motivation, and also your empowerment. Doesn't guarantee productivity, but it, what it does guarantee is, is it, it guarantees you uh, that you're gonna be able to work uh, that you're going to be able to be doing work that's uh, that's continually motivating and and engaging, which a lot of organizations want. And you know, at the end of this, at the end that's of our amazing. session here, mm -hmm. I'll I'll give you I'll give you a link or anyone listening a link, and they can take uh, as my gift. They can take the assessment. Normally, we charge for it, but I'll, I'm going to give it away today, so you can take that. So so once you find your ideal task mixture. Um, then what we do is we work with organizations. This is part of our leading forward program is we work with organizations to help help managers kind of build their days and weeks in a way that's highly motivating. And it's, and it's not changing their work. It's changing how they do their work and how they segment their work. Right. So I don't know about you, but I know like when I went to university, you know, I would say, you know, Friday, I'm locking myself in the room in my dorm room and I'm going to write that report or I'm going to do that analysis, you know, not coming out till that happens. And I don't know about you, but usually after a couple hours or less, you know, I was bored and I wanted to get up and go get something to drink or eat or look outside or 
whatever it was. Um, and, and that, and the reason for that is because we only have a certain tolerance, um, and, and what I call a cadence for each of the, uh, of the, the different test types. So now what I do is when I kind of block out my day and my weeks, I make sure instead of having that eight hour project for Friday is I, I know my tolerance for, um, project work, um, is about two hours or so. So I, I have two hour blocks for five days and that gives me 10 days. That gives me 10 hours to, total to do that. And as I, and, and the key is, is as you switch from one task to another, like the first thing I usually do is I do routine stuff in the morning, get the stuff out of the way, helps me do the prioritization. Um, I can usually do routine work about 30 minutes is ideal, 30 to 45 minutes. So I schedule the first 30 to 45 minutes to do that. Then when you jump to the next task, Rather than going to another routine task, so you finish your email and you're planning, okay, now I'm going to, to go and, you know, uh, identify uh, inventory, right? So that's just counting things or, or whatever. Um, rather than doing, going from routine to routine, routine, I know I have to do a little project work or a little troubleshooting. It's like, oh, that problem where I haven't been able to get uh, this um, uh, video to, to, con to, to connect, you know, with my new router system, I'm going to go work on that, right? And then I come back, I'll do a little bit of project work. And then I, I rotate that throughout the day. By the end of the day, I'm still doing the same amount of time. The, the difference is because what I'm doing is I'm feeding my task course, my ideal task course. And, um, at the end of the day, I might be exhausted, but I want to come back and do it again. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's super simple, easy to do incredibly easy to do it's with with managers i think the only time where it doesn't work well is like for uh line workers where they have to be there and you know they're feeding plastic into a machine or or whatever it's it's difficult for that but anything that has to do with management project management soft skills service whatever um, most people have some degree of variety yeah. and the problem is is they have a tendency to just you know uh, Monday is a project day, two is solving problems, Wednesday's catching up and doing all the routine. And at the end of each of those days, you get the work done, but it just feels so forced. Mm -hmm. Have you had so, the experience? So that's, what, that's, that's what the TQ will give you. TQ will tell you exactly what yours, what yours is. Roughly for me, uh, I need about 50% project work a day. I need to do about 30% troubleshooting. Uh, and then about, I can handle about 20%, uh, routine work. Mm -hmm. And that's wonderful on an individual level. How does it work uh, on a team? Have you applied it? Have you seen any results? We, we have this whole process that we do on a team, uh, and it's, and we call it the task auction. Uh, it's, it's probably one of the most fun activities that we can do. Most organizations don't like to reorg. And we tell them, don't do a reorganization, right? It's, it's very disruptive, really screws up the culture. What you really want to do is you really want to allow the people <clears throat> to, uh, to change their tasks. So, um, so I'll, I'll give you the quick description of it. So we get all the teams together. In fact, we wrote a case study. I'll, I'll send you the link as well. We did a case study for an IT organization with 18 people. What we did is we had them, we had them take the TQ assessments. 
Uh, they plot all of the work that they've done using this proprietary process that we have uh, on flip charts, get everybody in the room. I guess you could do it on Zoom now. Uh, ideally, if they're there, it's, it's even better. Um, and then it, it will tell you which are the things that are motivating and demotivating for you. Um, since you have taken the task quotient, you'll know what your ideal is. And maybe you have, you know, four hours too much routine work and you have, you need three hours more of, of uh, project work and uh, you need four hours more of, or less of uh, troubleshooting and firefighting. Um, and then what we do is with everyone in the room and the manager is anyone gets five to seven minutes, usually five minutes is enough. And we go around the room uh, and they can sell any task that they want. Oh, this they is don't have to buy anything. Mm -hmm. they, they can get rid of any tasks that they want. I have a project task for, you know, Windows implementation. It's about eight hours that I want to get rid of. Or I only want to get rid of four hours of it. I'd like to work with someone. I love right? this approach. Yeah. And then what, what I do as the facilitator on Excel is we capture what the task is, who the person is, what the, how, how much time it is. And then once everybody has gotten it out there, and by the way, you can sell your whole job. You can sell your whole job if you want. Once everybody's up there uh, uh, and they've said, here's what I want, want, don't want to, to, here's what I want to get rid of. Um, anyone can begin the bidding, you know, and I act as the auctioneer and ultimately mm -hmm. the manager accepts or declines the bids. Mm -hmm. um, and then what we do is we rebet. So there's no restructuring. We rebalance everything. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, on a norm, if you're working with a team that has that ability, you know, uh, a larger team is doing very similar kind of things. Like these are all IT uh, workers, right? They had the ability to a low flexibility. If you have a small team, like where one person does manufacturing, one does purchasing, engineering, the the, the process it, it, you can get some advantage, but not anything significant. The the real advantage that happens <clears throat> is that you know once you're all done, and typically on normally we can move sixty to seventy five percent of of the tasks, you know, and once you have a team. Well, it sends a great message from you as a leader, right? Is that, hey, I care about, I want you to work on stuff that excites you and it uses your talent, right? Uh, so let's let's talk about getting rid of, rid of the stuff that we don't. And because we use a process that shows where people are engaged and are not, they don't have to, it's not so, it, it moves very much from uh, being subjective to object, objective. Mm -hmm. um, and at the end of the session, we move the 60, 70%, and there's always a, like 30 to 25 to 30% of, of crap work that people don't want to do. And uh, every time I've done this, it's all the same. It's all administrative work. Mm -hmm. So the last, the, the case study we did is they were getting ready to hire a, uh, a network engineer. And they said, okay, how about if we, instead of hiring a new network engineer, which you're going to pay 80 to 100, $150,000 for, what if we took 100% of that crap work so people get, got rid of 100% of what they didn't want to do, and as the new projects come in, that we distribute it across the organization, and then I'm just going to go hire a contractor and pay them $25,000 or $30,000 a year, and they're going to do all the work that you don't want to do. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we did that. Um, we were the, and talk about KPIs. We were able to raise the level of job satisfaction with that whole organization, 26.3%. Mm-hmm. We're able to maintain it for 18 months. And what was really key for the manager is we got their turnover to go to zero. Oh, wow. Zero turnover. Uh-huh. Right. So anyway. Do they need to redo it again, the same process after a certain period? I guess to reassess again the tasks? Well, well, the, the thing is, is the, the process we give them, <coughs> um, the managers, when they're meeting with them on a one-on-one, they have to do a check-in to make sure it's working. And then, and then as new projects came out, you know, what the manager would do is they would put up this, this diagram that we use to help people evaluate, you know, whether, whether they're going to kind of be in that creative zone or not is they would say, Hey, I have this new project. It's, it's X amount of hours for routine troubleshooting and project kind of work. Um, here's the skill set we're looking for. I know there's several of you in here. Where would that put you on the chart? You know, is this something that's, that's really going to excite you? Is it going to be something that you're really efficient at and good at, but you uh, have done it so many times, it's just to be boring as hell? Or is it going to push you so far into the anxiety zone um, that you're, that, you know, you're just going to be looking for, for a job? Um, and, and if you can do that, then you can start give, you know, allocating the projects to people, not that that just have open time, which is the way it's normally done. Okay. Who has time or whose project just finished mm-hmm. um, this, this way it, it aligns that way. Fantastic. Yeah. I love that. Wonderful. I'm going to take this tool for myself. Uh, what is the website where people, I mean, I'm going to put the link below, but maybe you can also share it. Yeah. So if you, if you want to go and take the task quotient assessment, mm-hmm. uh, the basic one, which will give you your ideal, we have a, um, a, a bigger report that you can that'll do not only your ideal, actual, and and optimized, but this one will give you your ideal test question. Um, if you go to Magna Leader, M-A-G-N-A Leader dot co, not com dot co, forward slash, and it has to be in all caps, gift, uh, G-I-F-T, all in caps. It'll give you access to to so you can take it. Shouldn't take more than about three minutes, three to four minutes, and it'll send you your report right away. Fantastic. Wonderful. And uh, one last question. Well, what sure. is the um, optimum or rather the minimum uh, team size uh, that you need for this ta- task quotient to work for a team? Um, uh, I, I would say probably a minimum. Uh, I mean, you can do it with two people, right? Um, but I would say most of the teams that we've done, we've done teams as small as six and we've done teams as large as 24, mm-hmm. um, you know, an ideal size is usually 12 to 18 is, is the norm. But what I would say is uh, it's not so much the size as the, the ability for people to be able to share tasks and so forth. If, if you have a very, very, segmented jobs um yeah it makes it makes it more difficult but if you're like running a call center uh if you have a a project team if you have a a program team uh if you have you know any kind of organization purchasing whatever where you have different clients but you're all doing the same kind of stuff 
you know, th this this tool is amazing, and I I I guarantee, you know, I I'll, I'll give you a one minute example. We we were hired to do a pharmaceutical company back in Washington D.C. Um, and the problem was, is their turnover had gotten into like 33, 34%, right? And the problem was, is it was taking two years to train these individuals in, in the pharmaceuticals. So they didn't know what to do. So one of our colleagues said, hey, I've seen your test cushion, your, uh, uh, your um, uh, uh, task auction work. Um, so they brought us in uh, and the, the manager said, you know, I don't think any of this crap will work, but I don't think it'll mess us up anymore. Um, so we ran it. Uh, we moved 63% of, of all the tasks. And actually the guy that, one of the guys that they were getting ready to let go, what they recognized was he wanted to do more management, team development, that kind of stuff. And ultimately what we found out is they moved everything. We were able to get the, we couldn't get the, <coughs> The turnover to go completely to zero, but we got it into single digits, like six or seven percent, you know, rather than the 33 or 34 percent. But the interesting thing was, is what we found out like three months later is that one guy that they were getting ready to go to get rid of, um, he ultimately became the manager of the organization and let the manager go. Fantastic. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Great. Well, thank you so much, Kevin, for, for the fascinating introduction to the task quotient and to your business and for the, all, all the cases you shared with us. Yeah. And if anyone wants to talk about this, you know, I, they can reach me at Kevin at MagnaLeadership.com. Um, I'm always very, very excited about talking about this. The one promise I'll make to anyone uh, that sets up a call with me um, or once I have an electronic communication, one thing I will guarantee is you will get no sales pitch from me, right? That I is this is something I believe in. I can point you to lots of of really good data that says says this works. And if it's something that can make a difference for you and you're struggling with doing a reorg or people just don't seem to be engaged, um, you know, I'll give you the best that I got. And if it makes sense, great. And if it doesn't, that's okay as well. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Grow and Learn. We hope that you found our podcast informative, engaging, and inspiring. Our mission is to help you keep growing and learning, and we hope that our conversations and insights have provided you with practical advice and useful perspectives. If you're looking for personalized support and guidance to help you achieve your personal or professional growth objectives, I offer a range of services to help. As a trusted management partner and mentor, I work with businesses in the process of transformation, looking for new streams of business, as well as M&A. With an extensive professional network of experts and mentors, I can bring on board the right person or team based on the specific needs of the company I'm working with. To learn more about the services I offer and how I can help you achieve your goals, visit my website at growandlearn.org. You can also reach out to me via email or social media. I'd love to hear from you. And if you enjoyed this episode of Grow and Learn, please subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. Your feedback is important to us and it helps us to continue to create content that is relevant and valuable to our listeners. Thanks again for listening and we look forward to sharing more insights and perspectives with you in the future.